as an industry we've made it our business to learn about games, how they work, about their resonance, and their successes or failures, but the human side to the industry as well. My name is Paul James and welcome to Dev Diary, a series that explores and celebrates the incredible feats of the people behind the games as we dive into their stories, the highs, the lows, and everywhere in between. In this episode, I'm joined by Kelsey Gamble, current publishing producer at League of Geeks, so join us as we explore our journey. So today I'm joined by Kelsey. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yourself? Very well. We've uh, we've had some technical hiccups leading uh, leading into this, and it's been a good fun ride for the both of us. But we've we've got um, our discords working, our internet playing ball. We got there, so I'm really excited it, to have this chat. Thanks for coming aboard. No problem. It was uh, an, an incredible coordination from the two of us. <laughs> Look, we're we're pretty good at this thing. We'll. we'll uh, and we'll make a really good episode out of it. Yeah, as I said, I'm really, really looking forward to having this chat. Um, you've been doing some really awesome things in this industry and more abroad as well. And I'm keen to pick through all of those with you. But before we get to all of that, so and you know, everything that culminates with uh, League of Geeks today, this is Dev Diary, a series where we speak to developers from throughout the globe. They share their stories, their experiences, and the journey has led to and culminated in this current point in time. And again, I mentioned there were some incredible credits before, but before we get to all of that, I'd love to rewind to a point before you actually got into the industry and before even the, the working life really began and, and focus on some of those first gaming experiences you had. Did you did you have any particular favourite games when you were growing up or do you remember what your first game was that you ever played? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, you know, it's really funny. Uh, <laughs> when I got married, my dad got up and, you know, did the typical you know, father of the bride speech, speech situation. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and it was really funny because it started off as just my resume. <laughs> oh, <laughs> really? He's, he's a huge gamer. And so his whole thing was like all the places that my daughter worked, how cool it was. And I was sitting there going, what is he doing? He's just like saying a resume. And then he was so clever. He finished the entire speech by being like, my first memory of Kelsey was that she was a really colicky baby, you know, a bit real fussy, cried all the time, didn't like to sleep. And the only way that she would ever sleep was on my chest as I was playing video games. And so from day one, she was into gaming and it was very, it was a sweet moment. Everyone laughed, everyone loved it. Um, but yeah, it's safe to say that stuff's been in my life my entire life. I remember getting all of the consoles, you know, it was one of those things where it was dad's console, but we got to play it occasionally when he felt like bestowing sure. it upon us. <laughs> um, I, I'm trying to think of my favorite game. I got really into like Super Nintendo in general. That was a good one. But I, I, I remember Best having console the, ever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember having the Lara Croft demo and it was just oh, a yeah. demo. It wasn't even the entire game. It was just this moment where you, you swim under the water. I remember the experience of swimming underwater for some reason was just mind-blowingly cool to me. And I just played, I didn't, I didn't even know what the point of the demo was. I just played that like five-minute sequence of being able to swim underwater as Lara Croft. Um, so that, that would probably be one of my earlier memories. Um, probably not my That's favorite game. Yeah, it's a good one. I got real into Rayman as well. There's those levels where you had the musical levels that you kind of got to slide along the little musical note thing. Um, I oh, yeah, yeah. That. 
I, I reckon my dream is to make a modern version of that one day, like just some sort of inter integration between music and level design in a way that's both visual and, you know, it's got the audio input as well. I think that would rule. Um, I don't think, I'm sure there are heaps of places like Sinara Wild Hearts did a version of it that I really like, but yeah. Yeah, Sinara Wild Hearts did it. Obviously Rayman came back with uh, Origins and Legends a few years ago. I even think about um, the PS5 launch title, like Sackboy, A Big Adventure. Yeah. Uh, they did a pretty good job of that as well. And that was in that 3D sort of plane, which made it even more more totally. impressive, more fascinating, I guess, the way they kind of pulled, those, pulled all that together. Um, it was really quite a feat. But um, yeah, yeah that's, my- that's a really, really awesome starting point. And I find it genuinely hilarious that, uh, and not, not that you had colic, um, but the, the, the colicky baby and the story of kind of, you know, video games being played with, with you on your dad's chest, because that's exactly how things went with my daughter. Um, yeah. she's about to have her second birthday, but the first four to five months with that exact situation it was me kind of, we, we had kind of like the baby harness. So she was kind of strapped to, to my chest a lot of the time, which made things just that tiny little bit easier. Um, yeah. but like my, I mean, she she was our second child, and the first the our, our eldest, the son, didn't have colic or anything like that. Um, he had he had his own little things to contend with early on, but it it wasn't that particular issue. But yeah, colic specifically for my daughter, and like it was every night, kind of walking around the house, sometimes in the dark, or to try and keep myself awake because I th- I think there was a couple times where I'm like I'm cutting this lap around the house over and over and over, and I yeah. genuinely felt I was going to fall asleep whilst walking at various different points. And I realized, like, I need to actually do something, try and keep myself stimulated. So, my uh, like her, specifically the first month of her life, or no, no, she would have been her second month of her life, and I'm still walking around the house doing this, ended up becoming me standing there with her strapped to my chest for, like, three, four hours at a time while I stand there and play Immortals Phoenix Rising. Yes. (laughs) Amazing. I did that with Dragon Age Inquisition when I had my son. I just, I basically had him, I think there's a photo of me literally breastfeeding while playing Dragon Age, and it's one of my favorite photos of me with my son. Because um, it's just, uh, games, it really took on a different layer for me once I had a kid. Um, it just had so many other, so much other utility, especially games that didn't have like emergent multiplayer, where like I wasn't playing League of Legends or anything with a kid yep. strapped to me, but like something that had a gentle storyline. I played a lot of Hearthstone, got really into a bunch of RPGs, played Skyrim, of course. Great game to play when you've got a baby. Of course, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but, but even the nature of some of those that you mentioned, like they're easy to drop in and out of. Firstly, they're not online, they're not live, so you can kind of pause things a lot easier. But also, yeah, like, you know, I'll just go off and do this little side quest and maybe yeah. that's all I'm going to get time for, but that's all right, that's enough. Like I, I can get my fill. Um, it kind of, yeah, you know fills up the fills up the well a little bit but at the same time i'm also doing what i need to do as a parent in this moment um but everything all the needs are being addressed and sometimes there's some of these games are perfect for that and yeah i think the some of the games you described there were very similar to myself with the immortals one where it's okay i'll just do this quick quest no worries it'll take me 10 15 minutes and if that goes well and things are continuing to go well maybe i'll do another maybe i'll do yeah. another and then she wouldn't she had all her issues with colic so it was ended up becoming like three four hours sometimes but i got through that game and got that platinum in like a week thanks to her inability to sleep that's amazing and it, it gives you those little silver linings as well i know for me in particular um i don't deal very well with lack of sleep like i i become <laughs> my emotional state is not great and there were definitely moments when um you know i don't think 
my child was colicky necessarily, but he would get croup and stuff like that during yeah. winter, right? And and those moments when you could just tune out a little bit, like you're still looking after your kid, but you're tuned out somewhat and you're, you're doing something else while still being able to take care of them. I, like I really cannot overstate how helpful it was to me during those times. <laughs> It can keep you on the level a little bit, yeah. Whether it's you know sleep deprivation or or stress or or sometimes a combination of both or or anything else that people might be feeling at the time, it's it's those sort of again bite sized little experiences that can help just keep you composed sometimes yeah. when you need it most. For sure, for sure. Was there like so? As, I mean, I guess before we got to back back to that point there, and um, and obviously the I mean that's far more recent obviously the the parenting and the nature of those sort of things but as you were growing up were there any particular franchises or genres even you know specific games that you really attach yourself to obviously we've spoken about things like Rayman along the way were there any that you really really look back upon fondly from that period of your life yeah, or from various I, different periods of your life even it's interesting because I really have a, a different franchise for every I call them eras. Me and my, my my group chat, we started doing it ironically. Like I'm in the Taylor era of my life or whatever. And now I'm just non-ironically doing it, which is a bit cringe, but that's okay. Um, I stick with it. But yeah, different eras of my life had different genres of game. And I think one, for me, you know, the Guitar Hero era is exactly how you would imagine when I say that. So I, I was yes. fully into Queens of the Stone Age. I was fully was into everything emo. I had the side flip fringe. I played everything on expert. I was insane about it. I used to go to parties and be really annoying by just sitting there and playing Guitar Hero and like hogging it. Um, but then <laughs> I also like randomly got into like like over obsessed with this game called Tap Tap Revenge, which is a game that not many people have heard of. But back when it doesn't iPhone, ring any bells on my end. Yeah, it's like when iPhones were relatively new, um, it, it was an iPhone game that was basically Guitar Hero. Hmm, there's a theme here. But it was it was on your phone. And I actually, for a period of time, when I was 18, became homeless. And so right. my, my phone got cut off. Everything got cut off. The only two games that I had access to play was a game that I can't remember the name of, which is really annoying, um, but it was on Xbox. And and I'll describe the game in a second, but Tap Tap Revenge was the other one that I could play without having an internet connection or anything. And I played the same, like, four songs on that game for so long because it was, like, the only thing that would, again, distract me from whatever was going on at the time, right? Yeah. And so... I actually played, there's like a, a renewed version um, called Beat Saber or Beat Star or something. Not Beat Saber, it's, it's a phone version of that, basically. Oh, okay. And I thought... Oh, I thought, yeah, I think I know the one you're talking about because for some reason, like, it pops up, like, ads pop up in my feed from yeah, time to time. Or, yeah. Yes. Um, so, clearly, I was the target demographic because I got hounded by those for, for months. And I finally gave in because I was like, this is probably, like, tap, tap, revenge. And I probably, you know will have this fond memory and a good experience playing this. And I installed it, and it was exactly as I remembered. I was like, yes, this rules, this scratches, whatever weird itch I have in my brain about this game or this kind of game. Um, but that was that was like a huge and pivotal time in my life. Um, I obviously played like a hell of a lot of, of Bethesda games because I worked at Bethesda, and so, yep. you know, was into them before I joined. Uh, but then once I, I joined the company, obviously got you got to play what you're, you're selling. So I got exactly, really you got to know it back to front. 
exactly. I had my Elder Scrolls Online era, um, and I was playing it on a bunch of different consoles. So, like, I was playing it Xbox, PlayStation, and PC just to make sure that I was across all of the different communities. That's what I thought. A completely anyway. rounded perspective. Exactly. Uh, he he probably wouldn't agree with you, but um, I swear it was all for work. It was for research purposes. Yeah, it sounds um, like you're doing your due diligence. I'm all about that. Thank you. I appreciate that you understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. But, I mean, I guess the, the the thing that we're kind of nailing down here is uh, rhythm-based games and RPGs seem to be the, the preference yeah. for you for the most part. I definitely did have um, a Halo and a Call of Duty, respectively, era, um, mostly yep. because I wanted to be not like the other girls. Um, so I wanted to be one of the cool girls that totally played first-person shooters. Unfortunately, I get motion sickness. And so the entire time, like, I would play Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 with a bucket next to me, like a psychopath. <laughs> and yeah, I right. Was just, I was just not having a good time. Um, but I just thought that it was the thing that I had to do to prove to people that I was a quote-unquote real gamer. I'm still cool. Um, exactly. And now, now I'm, ba- I'm past those times. I played Halo, I think, six. Um, oh, you finished last year? Yeah, so I've played up to that. But, like, I just... I, I like it. It'll never be the same as when I was getting into Halo Reach because um, that was when I was playing the, the multiplayer pretty heavily. Um, again, not as cool as to be, like, original Halo on PC. Like, not that cool. Um, but, yeah, that, I definitely had those times. But I've settled within myself now, and I don't feel the need to be... Uh, you know, a legitimate gamer TM. Like, I could yeah, just be yeah, myself. quote unquote. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and so now I just, you know, like I said, Final Wild Hearts, I love that game. I played that game during lockdown and my whole family got into it and my son got really good at it. He would have been six at the time and he was smashing the game. It was awesome. It was a great time that, that otherwise was pretty terrible, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... That's a pretty cool way to spend the time, and yeah, Dory. I think there's a there's a very vocal community that still loves and adores Halo Reach specifically. So I don't think you're you're picking a bad bad Halo game there to have all these memories attached to. And um, hell, you're still doing far better than I anyway. I'm not I'm not a competitive sort of player whatsoever. So even even with any and all rust and your sickness issues that you have with FPSs, I think if you and I went head to head, you would probably still obliterate me in a Halo Yay. match. So. I'm legitimate. Um, I, I, I mean, let me put the disclaimer on there. I don't think I'm legitimate. So we can, it can be both of us just kind of illegitimate um, pretend gamers going at it for a pretend title. But that, that, that yeah. sounds good. That's right. <laughs> we, we can have, have a bit of fun. <laughs> now, I'd imagine the the answer to the next one is kind of nestled within some of the things we've some of the games we've already discussed. But was there a was there a game, or was it more like the compilation of all your experiences over the journey that? perhaps guided you towards a pursuit of the industry? Um, no. Obviously, there's a few different um, roles and a few different organisations that you've worked at over the journey, some of which are gaming-related and yeah, others are you know, um, I, I actually, I hate saying this, but I always feel the need to. I never pursued the industry. Um, yep. I, and I think some people may feel, like, I feel bad saying it because I know that there are a lot of people that are like, how do you get in? Um, you know, what what kind of dreams did you have? Um, and for me, it was genuinely survival. Um, yep. So I, I had a job at, at an EB Games store when I was, I think 17 was when I got a job at an EB Games store. Yep. Um, 
and I was homeless during the first few months, well, maybe the first year of, of working there. But, you know, such is the nature of casual employment. Obviously, you can't really earn enough to, to survive on your own, especially if you don't have a support network. So I was rocking up to shift um, in various states of, of disarray as a human. Luckily, just trying to make uh, the best of it that you could. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, I did really well, like I was, cause I really needed the job. Like I, I was good at selling things. I was, you know, I had a nice smile, I guess. I was charismatic in a way. And so I could, I could get the game guarantees that I needed to sell or whatever it was. Um, and I guess I just, you know, the, the advice that I pass to people when they ask me, um, comes from the mantra that I had at the time, which was one foot in front of the other. Like all I needed to do was get a little better than what I was. And so I moved back to Brisbane. I was up in Cairns and I, I wanted to be a little bit better. And they were applying, they, they had roles for customer service people. And I was like, okay, that's a little bit better. That's, that's more full time. It's not shift work quite so much. And, you know, don't have to stand there and put up sale wrap every three weeks. Um, yeah, there's stability. Yeah, a lot more stability. And so I went for that and, and then they were setting up a social media team. And I said, wow, that, that's interesting. You know, that's a little better than what I'm doing in customer service. And so I went for that role and, and you know, it was the first ever social media team really. Um, and then I kind of just wanted to be a little bit better again. So I, I researched, you know, what, what other roles are social media, uh, but better basically. <laughs> And yeah, that web, makes sense. There, there weren't too many. Like community manager wasn't really a role that existed heaps in Australia. I think yeah. there was EA. Um, they had a community manager and maybe a couple of others. N- not many at all. And so I saw the title community manager and I was like, yeah, I'm kind of doing like midnight launches and things like that. I reckon I could, I could justify asking them to make me a community manager so that I can get a pay rise because I need to afford to live on my own now. Um, yeah, I'm with you. And so I, it, it, I mean, we've all been there. Um, and so I, I worked out the title change and basically that, that was my first job as a community manager. And, you know, I dropped out of uni because I couldn't afford to go because I was homeless. Um, I had no real qualifications I had no real like desire at the time to be in the games industry I just knew a lot of my friends worked there um I knew everyone seemed to be you know really tight-knit and close and I really liked that for myself um you know I came from a situation where I didn't have much of a safety network around me and to see all of these people that all leaned on each other and were really close um that was what was tempting to me it wasn't so much oh cool I could I could work a video game um for me, it was, oh, cool, I could have a, sta- a stable job with people that seem not actively awful. Um, which which so, makes a big difference, right? Oh, a huge one. Um, I then, you know, left that job at EB and went out of the industry for a while, actually. Um, because, again, I just, I just wanted more and more jobs. I wanted um, more stability. I wanted more pay. <laughs> they weren't really offering that to me. And I also wanted to go and be with my boyfriend at the time, who luckily is now my husband and the father of my child. Um, so that, that move was a, a good one. Um, but yeah, moved, moved outside, you know, did a bunch of things, accidentally started my own business. Um, and I think, you know, that detour I took out of game was actually really, really helpful for 
my understanding of the industry, the the context that I have when I think about the campaigns that I do, or the, the way that I think about things. Um, yeah. There's a lot of people that, you know, they start and they end in the games industry and they don't really go anywhere else. And so they lose a lot of the stuff that I found that I learned. Like, I, I worked for the government for a bit. I worked for shopping centers. Um, and I got a bunch of learnings from it that I that I took with me when I eventually came back, which is when I got my job at Bethesda. Um, and that was that was a real journey that time. <laughs> Loved it. Loved it. Wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, adore everyone there. Adored my manager there. Um, only only left, gosh, six months, uh, maybe 10 months ago now. Um, so it's a brand new adventure for me right now. But yeah. Um, and, enjoy and an exciting one. Oh, I like, honestly, I am having currently the, the most rewarding time of my career. Um, you know, up until this point, like I, like I said, I was only really just doing the one foot in front of the other thing. And I wasn't thinking about what it was that I actually wanted. And so, you know, I had all this expertise and background in a community manager role because that's kind of what I fell into. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I ended up doing communications for, for Asia at the Festa because I kept wanting to get better and better and better. Progress, and I kind yeah. Of got to, yeah, I got, I got to the point where um, I was working out of the Tokyo office but based in Melbourne, learning Japanese and, and speaking it a whole bunch, dealing with, like, Korea and China and understanding marketing for, for them and pulling together campaigns for that. Um, in a in a role that was becoming increasingly more and more global, and it was really exciting. Um, but I found myself kind of feeling like, you know, I had just fallen into this. Like I hadn't really chosen it for myself. Um, and marketing, if I kind of could wind the entire thing back and go, okay, what is it that I actually want to do? I would have said being a producer. Like I, I wanted to be in the way that I explained it to my boss at the time, Simon, was... I don't want to be Pete Hines. I want to be Todd Howard. Like I want to, I yep. want to make the games. I want to market them. Like, don't get me wrong. This job is a dream, and you're like working with you is the best. And you know, I've I've done really cool shit at Bethesda. Um, but I wouldn't have chosen this if I could go back again and and, and choose it all again. And so, getting the job at, at League of Geeks um, was the first time in my life that. Set a goal where I was like, I would like to be a producer. That is what I want to do with my life. Like, I want to learn how to make a game. I want to get behind the scenes on doing that. I don't want to just deal with marketing plans and timelines and ROI and all that sort of stuff. I actually want to learn how game make, please. <laughs> and so it's just been so exciting for me to, to be part of all of that. Um, and it's just so exciting in general like i i get to come to work every day and, and feel kind of reinvigorated in a lot of ways um so yeah feel very lucky that i'm able to do that in the first place yeah that's that's really really awesome and obviously um really quite quite deep as well and i think for anyone who's listening who's maybe still trying to work out how they find their way in i mean this is a this is a perfect example of i think what what persistence gets you at the end and obviously yeah. there's there's always a little bit of luck and kind of find you know opportunities that pop up and there's all those other sort of variables as well but that persistence is a really big part of it and it's it's paid off dividends for you and the other the other thing i'll stress uh pete hines if you're listening please don't be offended by that comparison it's it's okay you do a fantastic job and everyone uh everyone thoroughly respects you too 
<laughs> Absolutely. Um, no, I think the other thing that it is really important to me personally, um, you know, when people ask me, you know, what what's the thing that you think is the most important? For me, it is that foot in the door thing. Um, yeah. It, it cannot be overstated. Um, the fact that I had worked at a video game store, um, I think, was huge. Like, it, it made a lot of sense. Um, you know, at the time, especially when the industry was looking the way it was, it really was my only real course of being able to get into community management. Um, yeah. I think these days, those pathways are more. Like, you can do a lot more, and there's, there's a lot more open to you. Um, but you do have to just get there. You do have to get your foot in the door. You do have to do the, do the networking. And, you know, when I say networking, I mean true networking, not just like handing, you know, rocking up to an event and handing your business card to someone, like actually taking the time to develop to rapport. Yeah, you yeah. develop rapport, develop connections. I'm not saying you have to make friends and then use them to get into the industry, but, you know, this industry is quite tight knit and we all do tend to know each other if not directly, it's via someone else, you know? And if you keep showing up consistently and, you know, put your best foot forward and just look for opportunities as they arise, you'll you'll get your foot in the door. And over time, you'll be able to work your way towards that thing that you, you want to do. And maybe you'll be like me where you're like, oh, 12 years in, I'm actually going to be Todd Howard. <laughs> I mean, we can never rule it out, right? I mean, if I if I become Todd Howard, I feel like I'll be pretty happy. Um, Kicking a lot of goals at that point. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess, like in in the lead up, and obviously we've touched on the 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 games side of things. But as as you said there, there's several other roles along the way, or positions at different um, organisations as well. Catch, you're a community manager. Uh, Zamato, there's uh, social media manager. There's marketing campaigns that you managed. There's Inkle. There's Quip. Um, and as you said, also you would kind of you started your own business in there you were kind of doing your own independent consultancy um now i'd imagine i guess a lot of that feeds into what you were talking about before with the the one foot in front of the other but in terms of that independent consultancy one does that really fit that story or was that you trying to um i don't know accelerate things a little bit and like okay i've got experiences i've done this okay how can i take control of things a little bit more myself is that I mean, am I projecting a little bit too much there or does that kind of fit the bill? No, you're definitely not projecting. I think control is the perfect word. Uh, <laughs> so for me, what happened was, you know, I, I had a baby um, and then I got I got made redundant like twice. Um, and, you know, this is something that is a hot topic in this industry, but but also every industry right now. Um, yep. Redundancies in general. I was I was made redundant with a six-month-old, and I was the breadwinner. Uh, my husband was at uni at the time. He was, you know, part-time retail job kind of income, and you know, I was really the person that was the difference between us, you know, being homeless again and and yeah. not. And so for me, I was like, I need control over what's happening right now. And to me, it was not putting all my eggs in one basket that could turn around and take it away from me at any point. And so I just started getting contact. And, and because I, you know, don't suck at my job, <laughs> people that were hiring me were, you know, telling their friends. And it was kind of a word of mouth situation. Um, and I unfortunately got to the point where I completely burned myself out. Um, I've done it so many times in, in my career. Um, 
because I just took more and more on because I was so afraid of, of what no would look like and, and what setting yeah. that boundary and not taking that work would look like, that I would just be insane amount of, of work um, with also a baby. And so, um, yeah, it, it really happened by accident, though, because, you know, I would I would take one contract and then I would take another and, you know, I, you, you've got to have the ABN set up. And then I just, I ended up having so many that I had to start tracking it all. And then I had to, you know, deal with all the back end stuff. And all of a sudden I had an a, a accountant doing my invoices and I was like, wait, am I, is this a business? This is the real <laughs> deal I, now. Am I running a business? Um, and so, yeah, I, I threw it all in when, once I started Bethesda, um, just because you can't, you can't do that. You can't work for a big multi, multi global company uh, whilst running your own business on the side. But also, it was time. Like I was, I was absolutely punishing myself with it. And I see people, you know, doing that freelance life, and I respect it so deeply because I know I don't. I, I have that ultimate need for control at all times, and that yeah. piece of famine thing is so strong within me that I know I could never do it again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these things can become eventually untenable just simply because of the the amount that they demand of you and as you said you were talking about you know experiencing burnout and those sorts of things and yeah a company like uh, Bethesda requires a lot of the people that work for it and I don't mean in that's in some sort of snarky or or horrible sort of way but like there's a lot that goes into making the the Bethesda games what they are the like supporting the community the way that uh, it needs to be supported the dialogue that goes on between like all different branches of the business there and then the people who consume the content is well there's a lot going on so yeah I can totally see how at that point you've gone I think I need to just I guess almost go back to you to using your own language your language from before the eggs in one basket kind of having to pivot back to that sort of mentality for that particular role Totally, totally. Um, it, it was interesting as well. Um, Bethesda really was a turning point in my life in a lot of ways because I think it was the first time that I started to feel secure. Um, yep. Because they were this this giant company, and because they actually make Zenimax Media as the, the you know the legal entity and the technical yes. employer that I had, they had a whole point of. I don't think they'd ever made anyone redundant when I was there. I think they've met, they've since made like a couple people redundant here and there, but on the whole, one of the safest, you know, not a plug, don't work there anymore, but like one of the safest giant video game companies you could work for. Um, obviously things are potentially different now since the, since the acquisition and everything. But at the time I remember kind of feeling this like, huh, like they can't just turn around and, get rid of me like they they wouldn't but also I'm so valued here that they they couldn't you know um and it was when I that was when I started to kind of you know feel from everything that had happened at the beginning of my career um and kind of work from there and kind of you know it when you've got that security and when you've got that safety net it's insane the amount that changes for you and and the things that change in terms of what you'll accept and and what what you learn and you know you you stop kind of being in that real fight or flight state um and so for me you know not only was I secure in my role 
but I started to kind of really be able to think deeply about uh, uh, more things and the choices that I was making and why I was making those choices and what other choices might I make now that I'm actually mindful of them instead of just kind of getting through, you know? Um, and I'm very much aware that that's a huge luxury. Um, and, and for me, like, one of the things I'm the most grateful for in my career is being able to get to that point. And to me, that's success. That's, you know, I consider myself successful because of that. Um, because if you had told 18-year-old Kelsey that I would be there, she wouldn't have even understood the concept, let alone believed me, you know? Yeah, that's um, fair. Um, and I think, I guess you, you've kind of hit on something there that I think lots of people, regardless of what industry they they work in, you know, they're kind of looking for. It's, I mean, what you've described so far is that one foot in the other and it's really kind of the, okay, the next day and the next day and the next day and, and not really being able to look too far ahead because of whatever circumstances might happen to be and obviously yours as you kind of highlighted before. And I think what a lot of people are chasing is that security in a sense that, okay, I've, I've got this job, it's, it's helping my pay my bills, it's kind of helping to address that day-to-day sort of level but it is giving me that security blanket that I can now entertain the idea of not just what's going on the next day or the next week but let's look deeper let's look further down the line what what can this lead to what opportunities does it create and that is something that yeah i mean lots and lots of people are looking for in in their various professions and not everyone is in a position to have that so yeah um it's something you obviously worked incredibly hard to get to that point and ultimately very much deserved um slash deserve i should say all that kind of came from that. Yeah, I think I think the other thing for me is just that learning of, you know, I, I've seen the discourse about it every now and then, um, and it really kind of, it's, it's now become something that I care quite deeply about, is that, you know, there aren't too many people from backgrounds similar to mine that work in games. And yep. a big part of that is because of exactly what you just said, right? Um, it's really hard to, to chase your dreams when you're worried about paying your bills so that you don't get yeah, keeping out your rental. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, you know, there is, a, obviously, all of us that work in this industry, you know, not denying that all of us have worked so hard to get here because I, I know for a fact we all have. But I would love to see, you know, a world where more people like me and more more people from underprivileged backgrounds can think and can dream about stuff like that. Um, and and I really do. I, I see it getting better. You know, the kinds of people that are approaching me after events to be like, hey, I'd like to, you know, do what you do has dramatically shifted from what it was like 10 years ago, um, which... That's fantastic. Yeah, it, it, it's really lovely. And it, it gives me a lot of hope that the safety net are being built around us um and you know i was just lucky and let's let's be real a little bit of an idiot <laughs> like i didn't really know what i was doing um you know if i'd set out and gone okay kelsey let's be smart what's the what's the career move for you you know what's the security it would not be video games <laughs> yeah you possibly wouldn't have made the decisions that you ultimately made exactly exactly but so, look how know, it worked out it did it did work out very well um but i would love to see a world where like that is a choice for people. People are like, oh, I would really like to have a, a good industry job. Let's, let's go and do games because I could be a tech artist and I know that they are reliably employed and I could be really good at that and I think that that would rule. Um, 
I think that would be so cool if we could get to that point as an industry. I think we're a while away, but you know, tech artists is something you know every every uh, every company is struggling really hard to find them. Like, yeah, surely we could we could just you know make sure There's that kids are aware way. of that fact. You know. <laughs> yeah, but I think I mean stories like your own. I think in terms of you know, as you talk about you know people that approach you and and kind of describe potentially the the challenges that they're facing and then and kind of have derived some form of inspiration from what from what your experience has been like and what you've gotten through um i I mean i think it's important that people like yourself are out there that are talking about these and highlighting for those who might be in similar positions now um that it is possible there is there is a way out there is reward for the effort that you're putting in and it may not necessarily look the same but it is there and just keep keep striving keep working keep pushing and sure there's there's always a degree of luck to these things and yeah you know as you kind of said yourself like would i have made those decisions you know probably not but i did what i needed to do and i you know what i felt was right at the time but like these things i don't know maybe i'm trying to project too much confidence here but these things i'd like to think work out like in the end if you you, you get out what you put in and i fit yeah. is kind of a thing that i firmly believe in and and i hope that no matter the scenario that 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 holds true yeah, I think I fully agree with you. I think that the, the input-output thing is, is really, really critical. I think the one thing that I would generally add to that is you need some level of flexibility and malleability that goes with it, right? Yep. So if, if I decided I wanted to be a famous musician and I worked so, 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 so hard, but you know maybe I wasn't the greatest guitarist, yep. but potentially I could I could be flexible with that and I could think about different ways I could do something that would get me out there that would be unique then that's different to me just like for the rest of my life throwing myself against the brick wall trying to learn how to not suck at guitar you know yeah um, totally. and I, I think that that is very true in games and I think that had I you know thinking about it, thinking about the choices I made in my career had I gone okay I want to be a producer and I you know, we're still working casually at an indie game with, you know, insecure, you know, accommodation. Go on, I want to be a producer and I'll settle for nothing better, nothing less than being a producer at League of Geeks. It probably would have been a lot harder for me to get my foot in the door in the industry. Whereas I did have, a, like, one thing I will say that I think was a great asset to me is that I had a very flexible mindset. I just wanted a job. I just wanted yeah, I to put to one foot in front yeah. of the other. And I think that that makes all the difference to a lot of people. It's like just getting getting in there, just being flexible with what it is that you want to do, knowing that you're not going to be told Howard tomorrow. You know? it, it's but going it to take you a day. really long time. Exactly, exactly. But it, it, it'll take a long time. It'll take a lot of flexibility. Um, and so, yeah, I fully agree that, you know, it, you, can't, you can't take your foot off the pedal. You absolutely have to... You get out what you put in. I agree with that 100%. But I also think that you've got to be smart about what you're actually putting in as well. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I, I, that's probably one of the strongest opinions that I hold, to be honest. <laughs> no, that's and it's an awesome one too. Um, and yeah, one that I wholeheartedly agree with. So we've obviously gone uh, through some of the, the really deep parts of the, the experience and the journey so far. Um, within the Bethesda, the confines of the Bethesda conversation so far, 
and kind of sticking to our, you know, you get out what you put in. You obviously put in a lot to get to yourself to that point and you put in a lot at your time there. What do you look upon so fondly from that period? Um, obviously, Bethesda, I mean, this kind of 2017 to 2022, we're putting out some fantastic titles. You've you've worked with some incredible people over the journey. Um, what are some of the highlights from that period? You know, it, it's interesting because... I- you know, I've given different answers over the years. Um, if if you'd spoken to me a couple of years ago, I would have said, "Oh man, when when I set Pax Australia on fire, <laughs> we set the roof on fire, literally." Don't tell anyone. Oh wait, I'm saying it on a podcast. Awkward. I um, <laughs> don't remember smelling any funky smells, but I'm gonna have to. Oh, I mean, I'll be there a couple of weeks, and I'll have to just keep my eyes peeled for anyone else who's trying to replicate that. So it was, it was maybe a couple of days. It was during the tech rehearsal and it's only a little sting in the corner. Um, and it wasn't my fault technically. I was just part of the team that, you know, obviously put that The tried to burn Jeff shed down. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so I would have said that because that's just insane, right? Imagine saying that, you know, saying that you could say you set the Melbourne Convention Centre's roof on fire. It's <laughs> um, a good effort. Now, it, to give that answer, I think... And it's a really, it's kind of a boring answer in comparison, but... That's fine. I managed to make very difficult, complex problems something that could be solved. Um, And so one of those things is, you know, I got thrown in to running the the Japanese community for Bethesda in 2020 on my own not knowing a lick of Japanese. In the midst of a pandemic. (laughs) In the midst of a pandemic. And it was, you know, anybody else, it would have been just like, (laughs) don't speak this language, see you later. But not only did I manage to kind of keep things going, but I managed to make the pages and the the Twitter and all that sort of stuff more engaged somehow. and I feel like I'm just so proud of being able to do that because that, like, I did become the person that they would just be like, oh, Kelsey can sort it out. Like, there were a lot of things that, you know, will never kind of go out into the public. I can't point to it and be like, I did that thing. But a lot of, you know, internal diplomacy and, like, working between teams and, um, you know, I worked with the US team, I worked with the European team, and I worked within the Asian team, and I kind of made everything work in harmony. And, you know, at the time, I was just, again, keeping things afloat, because it was 2020, and no one knew what they were doing. Um, but looking back, I'm just so proud of myself, because I think a lot of a lot of what I did at that time came from everything I've learned in my entire career about communication in general. And I don't just mean communication is in the words that you say. I mean it in the lens of like how to talk to people to make sure they understand the core of what it is you're trying to say. Because when you're working with people that have different backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds, different language, you know, barriers. Belief systems, yeah. All of those things. um, It's it's crazy how difficult it gets and how quickly it gets difficult. Um, and I think that, you know, I used to joke that it was my trauma that made me able to be, you know, good at doing that because I was always so desperate for people to like me as a coping mechanism. But it actually, you know, it's actually true. <laughs> like, like I, I worked out how to make people, you know, be able to talk to me and feel safe 
and comfortable and I worked out how to understand what people were trying to say, even if English wasn't their first language. And I did all of that because I had to deal with a lot of really intense stuff when I was homeless and like had to communicate really clearly back to them. Um, and so like, you know, to, to kind of extend that, you know, life experience into something that's actually usable for, for other people. I think, you know, the things that you can be the most proud of in your career don't necessarily come from what you learn at uni or, you know, what you pull out of a book. A lot of it is your life experience, even the really horrible stuff. Um, and for me, it was especially the really horrible stuff. Because um, at Bethesda, like, there were a lot of really weird, complex things that I seemed uniquely qualified to deal with. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it's, I, again, I already said it, but I, I genuinely love my time there because I think my boss recognized that I just wanted to be challenged in a lot of ways. Um, and I think he, he could see it was quite clear that community management dealt with something I was good at wasn't something that necessarily set my heart on fire. It wasn't and a forever so, thing. Yeah, it was It was at the time, it was, what, again, what I fell into and he knew that as well. Um, and so he kind of just allowed me to just do the most random stuff. And I'll, I'll honestly be forever grateful to him for that because it was that experience that made me realize, hey, maybe I can do this producer thing that I wanted to do for a while now. Um, so yeah, it was, it was good. It was, it was, you know, apart from setting buildings on fire or especially setting the buildings on fire. I mean, who doesn't want to commit a little bit of arson in this course of their employment? Yeah, I'm just so disappointed that I didn't know about this. This would be something I'd be celebrating at the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I would say that I'm absolutely not supposed to be talking about it, but hey... <laughs> I mean, I remember, I remember fireworks, like, all that kind of fire, uh, you know, flame shows going on there. I just didn't realise that that's uh, how things culminated. I'm thrilled. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I love you every bit scoop. of it. I've got the scoop, um, and I'll be keeping a close eye on anything that goes on packs in the future, just to you know see how ambitious people are getting and you know speculate on whether they did or did not, in fact, try and light the roof on fire. Well, that's um, a really fun thing for me as well with packs in general is like a lot of that came from me kind of being like i just don't think we should be doing what everybody else is doing and i just at this table you know we'd have this boardroom table at the office at the first and i'd be like almost like banging my fist on the table being like we just need we should do something different like we should do something cool that's going to make people pay attention and that's that's what's going to make us stand out compared to all the other gigantic booths that exist you know um yeah and i I got my way and I feel like it works personally. And I, you know, the, the PAX guys were talking to me only recently and, you know, talking about, you know, the cue hole in general, because it used to be something that, you know, you would, you would throw a ball around in and, and maybe there would be a hoop that you would throw it through and you'd hang out with your friends, but it wouldn't be like, there wouldn't be fire. <laughs> no, there wasn't fire. There wasn't country roads being sung on a loop over and over. There was, there was, um, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I, I do remember those first couple of years and it was pretty dull and boring. But then, yeah, what you and the team in particular have done has uh, really changed things up and it's going to be a hard act to follow uh, in 2022 this year. Actually, it'll be a very interesting sort of set up in 2022 this year because, uh, I don't know, with the COVID stuff, are they going to be jamming people into the into the queue room like they once did? I'm not too sure about that. but uh... Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see what happens. Um, I think that if nothing else, you know... Sometimes I like to allow my ego a little bit and, and, and be like, hey, 
if you might have changed the way that people, you know, put on conventions in Australia, perhaps, um, which is, you know, a neat thought to think of. Awesome. Yeah, I, I don't think it's necessarily 100% true. I think, you know, it's, these things always evolve regardless. But, um, you know, sometimes when I want to be self-indulgent, it's nice to imagine. <laughs> uh, uh, catalyst for change is not a bad thing. I'll you know, claim that one, I reckon. Um, so since leaving Bethesda, and as you mentioned, cur- currently you're working with League of Geeks, but there's a there's a little chapter there in the middle. Um, God's Unchained, Immutable. Um, yeah. How did How did all that come about? So, you know, let me think about NDA things that I'm allowed to talk about. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. No, no, I don't want you to get yourself into <laughs> no, sort of no, trouble No, 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 of course. Um, so I got approached by a, a couple of people um, that worked there who I'd known for a really long time in the industry, and I really respected, to be honest. Um, crypto in general, I was pretty like, eh, about it. I thought, nah, this is probably just, you know, uh, hyper-capitalism, not for me. I'm I'm pretty progressive in in my outlook in in life, and it just seemed pretty antithetical to the things that I felt. Yeah. And then they kind of came up to me and said, "Look, you know, we we really love your experience. This is what we're building. This is what we're doing. This is the team we have." Um, and it was amazing because I was, you know, again in this position of real power of being like, you know, I I am looking for the next step. I do want to be a producer, so I'll entertain this conversation. Um, and you know. I demanded to, to speak to the most junior person in the team. I demanded to like, you know, have an understanding of their like six, six, like two to four year forecast. And like, I made all these ridiculous demands and they were like, yeah, cool. And they did all the things. And I was like, wow, this is this is crazy. Is this what it feels like to be powerful? Um, <laughs> I want this and, and I never want to let go of this. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the thing that I found really interesting is like all of the people that I met, um, the amount of diversity in the team was wild to me. I was like, wow, I've never seen this many women in a room that isn't just like the PR girls, you know? Um, yeah. And it was, it just, it seemed, the vibe seemed good. And I was like, yeah, this, this actually could be a really good opportunity for me um, to learn how to be a producer, to work on something that's really different. You know, I spoke to my boss, Simon, that I was talking about at Bethesda, um, who can't tell if you can tell, but he's he's a bit of a mentor for me now, right? And I, I kind of nothing said, nothing gives that away whatsoever so far. I know, I know, right? <laughs> uh, don't tell him. <laughs> but, but he's I, kind of awesome. Yeah, yeah. I kind of said, look, look, Simon, this this is an opportunity. Like, you know, I know, I know you're my boss, and you don't want to lose me, but we know what's going on here. Like, we know that you know I'm destined for a different type of role entirely. That you can't like there are no producers. It's the publishing thing, you know? Yeah. Um, what do you think? And he was like, look, de- depend on what you want to do. And honestly, at the end of the day, for better or for worse, NFT games and crypto in general are probably not going anywhere. Like most AAA companies are looking at it now quite seriously if they, they haven't already started embarking on that journey. Yes. Um, you know, for yourself, it would be beneficial just as it was beneficial to you to be one of the first community managers in the games industry in Australia. It will also be beneficial to you to be, you know, one of the first NFT community people and like understanding well, it's a different set of challenges, right? Up. Exactly. And I was like, Oh, that's such a good point. I hadn't thought of it that way. Uh, and so I was like, yeah, all right, this makes sense. I'm going to do it. And if I don't like it, I'll just leave. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, 
No, but but for real, I think that, you know, ironically, the thing that made me leave wasn't the NFTs in and of themselves. It was the problem that a lot of games companies even have of having your ideal be secondary to your profits and what you want to achieve financially and monetarily um, and have that be the sole focus. Um, so they had all those people that, you know, I talked about um, that I was really excited to join and that I trusted. They're not there anymore either. Um, so I, I made a decision pretty quickly in terms of, you know, where my personal ideals were. And again, talking about that security thing, talking about, you know, the privilege that I've built up over my career to be able to be like, no, Sam, not for me and just leave. Uh, I never would have been able to do that. You know, yeah, early days, you might have just stuck it out. Exactly. And I would not begrudge a single person for, for doing so themselves. But I was at the point where I was like, I have privilege. I am talking to, you know, these these other people, Lisa Six, spoiler alert again. Um, I think that there's a reasonable chance that I'm very employable in this industry at this point. And I think that it's going to be you know, I want to be really clear with my ethics and I want to be really clear with my morals. And I know that, like, you know, it's a it's a very contested and it's a very hot topic in general and people Absolutely. have very extreme opinions one way or the other. Um, and so, you know, there are people in this industry who just don't understand at all the decision that I made. And then there are people that don't understand why I left because, you know, again, they, you know, they're going to make a lot of money eventually. Um but that's not what I was there for in the first place. And so I had had no qualms whatsoever about dicing the scene within probation. It was the first time I'd ever done it, though. It, was, it, it felt wild. <laughs> yeah, again, kind of going, well, younger me, I, I wouldn't have been able to or nor necessarily wanted to at, at the you know, risk of what could come next, uh, be exactly. able to do anything like this. Yeah. Um, so that in and of itself was a really lovely moment for me. Um so, yeah, no, I, I, I felt good about it. I felt really good. And I, well, I don't regret at all taking the job in the first place. Like, I am glad I took it. I think it was a really good step. I met some of the, like, some of the people that I met there at, at the team, uh, I reckon they'll be my friends for life. They are awesome. Fantastic. And I think that they're wonderful. Um, and, you know, I, I have zero regrets whatsoever because now I also know when people, you know, dunk on nft games i think a lot of the time they don't necessarily know what they're actually dunking on <laughs> yeah but now no, I, mean, I do <laughs> i must say there's i mean there's there's a lot personally that i still don't totally understand like i've had conversations with with others um behind the scenes over the course of the last even six to 12 months just trying to get my head around like i haven't i've tried not to be one of those that's you know screaming and shouting on the internet regardless of whichever side of the fence i might consider myself on simply because i knew deep down like i can say what i what i'm thinking but i don't know that i actually know enough to be able to justify the opinion that i have um so let me try and learn more about it and so i can at least have a rounded sort of sort of thing there and um even to this day, I still don't still don't feel like I 100 percent get it. There's a there's a level of the the, techno, the technological side that I just don't quite get, but I, I feel like I'm getting there. Um, but it was yeah, it was interesting, interesting seeing and, those and conversations. I don't want to turn this into an NFT podcast. Oh my god! No, no, no that's fine. Um, but 
the thing that I find, you know, the interesting element for me is even from within, even working with companies, there's a lot of like what they call web two, um, yep. which is pretty funny. Um, just like, you know, the mentality that exists in everyday life, in everyday game making, that was directly translating into web three, which is what they prefer to call it, right? Yeah. Um, there's an element of the technology that is um, really interesting and really cool, like the blockchain technology in general, the concept of it and the overall premise. I can understand why it's exciting for a lot of people and a lot of applications. Um, but there were too many situations where they were trying to cram Web3 technology into something that wasn't broken. Like it didn't yeah. call for it. One of the things that I thought was really interesting um, was the concept of, of ownership, like like true ownership. And I don't mean, oh, if you, you have this skin, it'll work in a different game. Like I don't, I don't give a shit about that. But what I mean is like we have drifted into a rental economy and a, a subscription model for all yes. of our games. And I find that for games, for movies, but for all of my entertainment, yeah, I'm a hypocrite and I have a Spotify and a Netflix and all that sort of stuff. But like, I inherently am so scared of that future because we're already starting to see it with the Netflix model. Um, that small, yes, it's collapsing a little bit. It, it ruins the industry. It completely flattens it out and changes the shape of it. Suddenly you've only got big conglomerates. Like, you know, as much as I love a good Disney movie, I don't want to live in a world where Disney is the only company making any entertainment franchises. Like, I just don't want to live in that world. And, you know, subscription models in general, general scare me. And the idea that, you know, we don't truly own anything and we're just paying a, a, a monthly subscription to anything, that scares me as well because they can take it back whenever they want. Um, and so for me, the, the ownership prospect was one that I found quite interesting. But they haven't, they haven't fully solved it. Um, they say that they have, and you know, I truly believe that they had for the first couple of months. And you like lift under the hood, and all of a sudden there's like all these scurrying insects going, you know, boring into the ground. Like there, there's a lot of stuff that they haven't figured out, and they don't necessarily want people to know that they haven't figured it out when they should just be open about that fact. Like I think that you know we went too quickly into the monetization. I think capitalism, how do we make money out of this from the stock bros vibe? When we should have just gone, huh, this is really interesting technology. It could do cool stuff. Let's see how but this works. It's a work out. in Let's progress. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, TLDR, not a fan of crypto bros. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Certainly the culture around it, I'm not a big fan of, but I'm starting to get my head around what the what the ultimate kind of goal is here and how these things can and, and should work. But. I think uh, further reading required for myself. And that takes us to League of Geeks. Now, obviously, as you've mentioned, there was the conversations were kind of going on. And so this, this was an opportunity that you were able to, to jump on. Um, how is the yeah. producing life treating you after everything that you'd gone through up until that point? You've got that producer gig. How is yep. it sitting with you now? I love it so much. Um, you know, where... Spoiler alert, surprise, um, we're working on two new IPs. Um, it's very, very exciting. Very cool. I'm across both of them because I'm the publishing producer. Um, and the thing that I find the most exciting about the role I'm doing is I think that I've learned I need just the right amount of, like, holy shit, I have no idea what I'm doing. 
but I also need to feel like I'm kicking off. And that's really hard, turns out, to like have a role where you've got both of those things together. Um, and it's why, you know, doing Asia communications at Bethesda was such a cool job for me because it was basically that, right? Um, I'm good so at this, I'm but doing... I'm out of my depth at the same time. Exactly, exactly. And so League of Geeks has been incredible for that because I am learning so, so, so much. Um, I, every day, have new problems to solve. I also have to be organized in ways that, you know, I'm not naturally organized, so I have to really challenge myself. The team there are phenomenal. Um, I was worried that, you know, I would I would miss the teams that I've worked with previously. Um, but I just, I, it's a joy. It's genuinely a joy. Um, I'm really, really excited about the games that are coming out. Obviously, I can't, I can't speak about them too much. But, you know, my whole career, you know, when I was at Bethesda, I was working on I, I was working on campaigns for games, right? And so yeah. that's different. There's a level of like distance you have from that thing where you can't really be like, yeah, cool. I worked on Doom Eternal. If I didn't, I worked on the marketing campaign for it. Yeah, the delivery right. of the game as opposed to the product itself. Exactly. Where here, um, you know, it, it's completely the opposite. Whereas, you know, Gods Unchained, uh, you know, I got to directly work on that game, but... I wouldn't say that I was necessarily proud to have done so. Like it, it definitely, yep. you know, trading card games. I mean, like I said, I played a lot of Hearthstone when, when I had my my child. Um, but I wouldn't say that I'm a trading card game fanatic. Um, but the games that I'm working on with League of Geeks are just the right amount of I have no idea what what this is, whilst also being so damn compelling to me. Like I can see myself playing them. I can see myself being interested in them. I can also see myself being like on the corner of that that you know target demographic. And I think that that yep. is something that is really powerful because I can be like, as somebody who you know isn't immediately going to buy this, but but might, given the right circumstances, I think we should do X, Y, and Z. Um, and I just feel like I can I can offer so much and I can do so much in this role. Um, it's just, yeah, it's very exciting. It's very rewarding. Uh, and it's going to be a really fun journey over the next couple of months and years. <laughs> um, I'm going to try and read into the months part of that and, and hope that that means we're going to be seeing or hearing something soon, but I'm not going to put any pressure on you whatsoever to say anything there. That's not uh, not what we're trying to do on this show. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, League of Geeks is one of like Australia's premier studios, so it's an awesome one to have been able to connect with and work with um, everyone I've spoken to who's had anything to do with either individuals um, at the company or even you know has had the opportunity to work there has only ever said incredible things. So I assume that's fairly representative yeah. of your experience so far? Honestly, you know, it, it, even down to, you know, my first interaction with, with the founders. So, you know, I jumped on a call with, with Trent, one of the founders, yep. And it was literally like us talking about how we both knew each other because it's the industry is small, but we'd never actually met or had we weren't quite sure. Were, were we at parties together? Maybe. Um, and then we just kind of both went, all right, listen, this is, this is kind of what I want. And I said, this is what I want in a career, this is what I want in a job. And he was like, well, I'm looking for someone who you know, can do this stuff. And I was like, well, what if you did X? And he was like, yeah, okay, well, maybe. And we were just brainstorming my role, um, which was <laughs> awesome. It was you a got very to find it quite a bit. Yeah, it was really exciting. And then um, 
they do this other thing as part of their recruitment process, which I think is, is really, really smart, where it's like a founder's fireside. And the way that they frame it is, you know, this is, this is our chance to talk you into the role as opposed to like this really scary panel moment where you have to like be grilled by them. It's you asking them the question. Um, And so I, I read that brief and I understood it. (laughs) So I came prepared with some like spicy questions Um, and they just took it in their stride. And, you know, Blake and Ty, Trent Blake and Ty, they're the three founders they all have different strengths and it's very, very apparent from, from the moment you meet them or if you, you know, watch interviews between all of them. It's very apparent that they've, they've got different areas that they excel in and, and strengths. And they're all just so good at that respective field that they have that it's so cool to watch them work together and watch them lead this team together. And, and you know, everyone in the team, I, you know, they set me up um, to go to this midwinter feast that they have every year. Um, obviously COVID aside, it had been a few yes. years for them. Um, and they, before it even started, I rocked up to this, this space and I was like, I don't know anybody. This is going to be terrifying. Oh my goodness. I rocked up and everyone was just so cool and so nice. Um, it, had, it was like I already knew them and you could tell that they had very intentionally curated that. Like, this wasn't just a happy accident. Like, this was something that was very mindfully created. Yeah, it's been um, embedded. Yeah, and, you know, as, as you say, the, the people that come out of, of Log in general, um, phenomenal. And, and a big reason why I took the job is because I knew that the caliber of people that they work with and the amount that they teach and guide and grow all of the people that, that work there and go through that studio um, so high and so so amazing, and I selfishly wanted that for myself, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm just genuinely excited to to be learning in a way that isn't just like self-directed, one foot in front of the other. Got to holy shit, get through this and work it out. Learning like the more, hey, that's interesting. I would like to know about this, uh, which is you know something that I'm scared I'm not capable of, to be honest. <laughs> because you've had to do everything one way for the the longest time yeah but you know if there's anywhere i'm going to be you know supported to be able to do that i think it's going to be league of geeks so i'm i'm very excited even just I, it's i think this is week eight for me um so it's officially two months that i've been there um and it, it feels like it's been a year already whilst also been in a good way weeks. in a good way yeah in a in a great way like in the amount that i've kind of gotten to work on any amount that I've gotten to kind of do and see and you know just the pace of game development in general um it's awesome it's it's great I'm thrilled to hear that and I mean I'm thrilled that kind of you know almost going full circle in the conversation from before about the networking and all those sort of aspects has really kind of shone through here again you knew the people there you knew people had come out you understood what the culture was and everything beforehand and that really helped guide your your choice and i guess yeah when we you know we were talking earlier about people that are new and they're they're trying like you know it's not just about handing out business cards but it's actually getting to know the people themselves and what they're about like that's what's really shining through here in this part of the conversation that i hope yeah. anyone who's kind of in that early stages position is really taking on board a hundred percent and you know some could say that the job that i have now is 12 years in the making <laughs> like you know, it, it's I'd known about Log for about that long, maybe maybe a little less, maybe it was about ten years that I've known. Um, 
I'm just yeah. trying to think of when our mellow came out, but like it, it definitely wasn't an overnight thing. Um, and I don't think anything good is to be honest. Um, it, and definitely sowing the seeds for future, um, is why I am where I am. Um, you know, I wasn't an asshole, <laughs> but you know, that's the, that is something that is underestimated a lot. You know, people, people have a tendency to not think about long-term repercussions of, of building blocks and, and building relationships in this yeah. industry in general. They think so, about the now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, definitely, definitely glad for old Kelsey who, you know, was desperately in need of everybody liking her because, you know, it served me well in the year 2022. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it might've been a, a long prologue chapter, but uh, now that we're kind of getting really getting into the swing of things, I think uh, you're primed for things to pay off in, spades yeah this is uh, you know i was saying i was joking the other day saying this is my year baby implying that the previous years hadn't been but um you know it's i'm excited it's it's a it's a good time i think it's a good time to be in games as well i think in general oh, absolutely. it's just great it's everything's moving in a really cool direction like i said there's there's lots of interesting people joining um you know people that I got the pleasure of mentoring, um, now getting That's roles cool. in the industry. Oh, it's just, it's so rewarding and it feels so cool. And I, I just can't wait to see who else joins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, I, I mean, we're, we work different professions, you and I, but I, I mean, there's, there's, uh, so I think anyone who knows and li- watches and listens to this show, sorry, um, knows full well that I'm a teacher and knows that I've kind of mentioned that numerous times over the show and probably sick of me mentioning that fact but like i've i've had students i guess past even past guests of this show at this point who were actually some of my students when i was teaching the maths back in the day that are getting into this industry um and like i know some of them that will be at pax in in a couple of weeks and are showing off games there at the swinburne booth and i just can't help but like be really excited to see like sure i didn't necessarily contribute a great deal to their ability to actually you know get behind the computer and create these games because uh, that's not necessarily my area of expertise, or at least it isn't yet. I don't know. We'll see. But um, so you were probably the to... safety net, right? Like, I think that that's the thing that we were talking about earlier. Uh, the thing that's really important for people to be able to thrive in this industry is having people that give them that security, give them that sense yeah. of safety. Um, so, you, you know, like, yeah, sure, maybe you didn't teach them how to program a game, but the foundational stuff, I think, can't. It can't be said enough um you know had i known that you didn't have to be good at math in order to, to be a game developer maybe i would have joined earlier maybe I'd, yeah. maybe i've had a good math teacher maybe i would have joined earlier again you know <laughs> well i hope i am that good math teacher to any of those students but i mean it's um yeah i mean i, I feel like even in even in that you know one of those cases i think okay well like i didn't have the i don't have the chops to make a game or at least i yeah, again don't now um, but I knew plenty of people within the scene. And so when, when he was, you know, gearing up for his course and all those sort of things, like, okay, well, you could speak to this person, you could speak to that person, this person's going to be a great insight. You know, we've got these people in the area as well. If you happen, like, it's that networking sort of thing before. I was like, I was able to kind of help nudge them in the right direction, hopefully, to yeah get that ball rolling. And then, you know, everything else is obviously all, all, on, all on them. Um, and I, I can't wait to go try out the game at, packs but um i love it when stuff like that comes full circle it's like watching people flourish where you had even even just like the tiniest hand 
in being able to support them um, and see them grow is just, oh, man, for me, it's probably one of the best things. It's uh, super rewarding. See. Yeah, absolutely. Makes me consider being a teacher, but I don't think I have the patience. So good on you, Nate. Oh, look, sometimes I don't feel like I have the patience either, but I'm still here, so that's <laughs> that's, a, that's a good sign. As we start to wind things down, I mean, a mixture of a couple serious ones and a couple lighter ones to wrap things up. Is there anyone out there that you either work with or you've worked with or you look at from afar that really inspires you in the way you go about your your work, whether that was through the the more community-focused lens or even what you're doing today? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because had you asked me this question a few years ago, I would have always – I always gave the same answer, which was – my my two the two closest female friends I have and you know my two oldest best friends in this industry basically Ray and Ali McLean um yes so Ray, Ray Johnson and Ali McLean I've I've been friends with them for a really long time they are so strong they're so powerful they're so cool um and I you know feel like a lot of you know where I've gotten in this industry is because of their love and support. Um, and again, that security and safety came a lot from them where I wasn't getting it from other places. Um, but these days, you know, I've, I've managed to, to get myself a bunch of really kick-ass mentors around this industry. Like, obviously, the, the founders at League of Geeks, I'm already, like, just over the moon with, with being able to work with them. And I already can tell that I'm already learning so much and I know how much I'm going to learn again. Um, yep. So definitely in that sense. Um, I hope that they don't see this is the problem with the games industry, right? You shout out people like this and then you're like, wait, they're going to listen to this. They're going to listen or <laughs> well, look, I hope Trent does. Trent, if you're listening, uh, I want to pick your brain too, because you obviously do the um, game makers notebook stuff. And I want to learn how you're so good at that. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I'll, I'll make sure that Trent hears it then in that case. <laughs> you're listening now. Hello. <laughs> no, Hi, I think, so for them, um, I got the, the huge um, privilege of being able to have a, a mentorship with Susan Cass, who is one of the one of the head honchos at Arcane, um, which is just yes. mind blowing to me. Uh, whenever I tell you know my mates, I'm like, oh yeah, I was talking to Susan the other day, and then I'm like, you know, Susan from Arcane. <laughs> but she's, no small she's, deal, right? Yeah, it's, you know, just just you know. I see you know, working on little games, you know, there's little games like Dishonored, Prey, you know, on. Oh. <laughs> Never heard of it. She's, she's like amazing. She's so badass and I feel like I've learned so much from her, even just her existing. She taught me how to be a good mentor as well, which is something that is invaluable. Um, and yeah, I, I really, really think that there are more people in this industry who I should be like talking about right now but I can't because I'm so worried that they're going to listen and also the names have gone from my head entirely but it's definitely taken a village like I don't think anybody is in this industry being like yep I am a lone wolf no one did it all myself exactly like it's all about the the community that we have and I think that's also why when when things get rough um and when you know online stuff happens it's it's always like especially painful and frustrating because I think we are very much a community um and so for me at least uh, I remember you know seeing the first beef between people in this industry and being like wait no we're all friends aren't we <laughs> yeah but I think it's because you know I I do look up to a lot of people and I and I do you know feel like a, a big part of 
who I am as a person is a result of, of those people and those like networks that I've made. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I, so many other people, but let's leave it at that. Yeah, we don't want to we don't want to miss anyone. That that is always a, a tricky conversation in that sense. Uh, what has been some of the most valuable lessons or experiences that you've kind of had or learned over this over this time so far? And again, from either the community or producer lens or anything else for that matter. Yeah, um, you know, it, it's interesting. Other than the stuff that I've already said, um, you know, the the one foot in front of the other and, and yep. build your networks thing. Um, it's it's curious how much focusing things by going, okay, what is what is that? What is the way that you can put this up and achieve it bite-sized chunk at a time? Um, no matter what you're doing, like that was a thing that I did when I was doing just straight up social media community management is a thing that I did when I was <laughs> lighting fires at the convention center. Um, <laughs> and it, it's something that I do now um, when something is really scary and big. It, the, the sit back, how can I put this into little chunks um, has been really, really invaluable for me. It's something that's really obvious, but you always forget to do it when you get overwhelmed. Um, the compartmentalizing this, component, yeah. I literally have a post-it note on my monitor that says eat the elephant because I, I constantly forget and it's so useful. You know, every problem can be solved if you just eat the elephant one bite at a time, you know? Um, so yeah, that that's probably the biggest one for me. Um, I also just think, again, um, don't be a dick. I, I know that it's it starting funny point, right? to say that, but like, it really, it, it comes back to you in ways that you'll never expect. And, you know, trying to put good out in the world, even if somebody else completely sucks, will always pay dividends. And it won't pay dividends immediately. It will it will come back to you many years later, probably. Um, but it's just, it's so, you know, I, I don't know whether I necessarily even believe in karma. I actually just think that it is not being a dick and having people see that and having that come back to you. Um, but, you know, yeah, you that believe gets noticed. that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah it gets exactly. noticed when you're, be- when you're being a good person. It gets around and, and, you know, people do talk and people do only really want to work with people that aren't big. So don't be a dick. <laughs> yeah, no, fantastic piece of advice um, and one that hopefully hopefully all listeners of this show um, are already wired that way. But Good. if you're not, please take it on board. <laughs> um, some lighter, fun ones as we wrap things up. If you could be credited for any game, just retroactively add your name into the credits, is there a game that you would pick? One that you just love to have been responsible for? It's really funny because as soon as you said uh, if you could be credited, my um, my computer, it's like it knew, hey, you, you don't want to answer this question and it just completely froze. And so I missed the end of that sentence. <laughs> oh, um, if you could be credited for any game, just retroactively add your name into the credits. Is there a game you'd pick? Oh, Sinar. <laughs> Good choice. I would have said Skyrim, but I actually am credited in that game now. So, because like, you know, a bajillion re-releases of it, I'm now in the credits. <laughs> well played. Very nicely done. I, I like <laughs> that one. And yeah, Sonara by Wild Hearts, fantastic game as well. If you could go back and replay any game, so get to strike it from your memory and experience it again, is there an obvious game that you'd pick? Journey. 100% Journey. That game... Man, I cried Strikes so again. hard playing that game. I would do it again. I would want to do it again. I would also want like, to 
to watch people playing it for the first time. Like, I just want to find people that haven't played that game so I can watch them play it. <laughs> is that weird? Maybe that's weird. No, no. And um, it is also, I would, look, I, I should probably start to tally these at some point. Um, I feel like it's probably the answer that's also come up the most. I think uh, Journey might have been answered the most for this particular yep. question of, of any other. So, um, and it's hardly a surprise. The game is incredible. And yeah, it's, it's something that has been almost impossible to replicate so far. Yeah. Not that you necessarily absolutely. want to replicate it, but try and invoke those same sorts of... That, that, that same combination of feelings is just not something that I don't think many, if any, games have really done since. It's been absolutely. a long time since then. Agreed, agreed. I, I believe that we've... It, it's that lightning in a bottle thing, right? We've gotten it yep. in different forms, for sure, but that exact like feeling... I, I feel like... It's not remotely the same, but that that sense of like joy that I got from those moments in Journey. I, I'm I'm not going to spoil it, just in case there's one person that hasn't played it, you know. But you know those those joyful moments that you get playing it. Um, that joy I experienced when I was Unrivaled. playing the Artful Escape. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. Completely different game, obviously, but just that moment of like ah. Oh. Um. I, I enjoyed that, and so I, I found that like the experience is is replicated in slightly different ways. It's like different flavors, but um, I haven't ever experienced the exact moment that that journey created. Although I've had some echoes of it, I guess you could say. That's a fantastic way to put it, um, and again, a fantastic game that I'm sure will probably come up another three or four times before the year is out. Yeah, um, yeah. And absolutely. that's not me suggesting you're unoriginal. It's just that profound again absolutely it, it it and you know for the one person that hasn't played it yet can you just follow me just on do Twitter it already and let me know that you're going to play it and let me watch you play it again no that's that was creepy definitely to, to that one person who has listened to this show you know multiple times and has heard multiple people say that journey is that game why haven't you listened to all of them so far come on fix yeah it. yeah play it one person <laughs> exactly only one person there can only be one um so kelsey thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing these experiences so far sharing this journey and i think i speak on behalf of well i'm speaking for myself but i think on behalf of everyone listening as well we all wish you incredibly well on this next chapter with league of geeks and um really look forward to whatever comes next thank you so much uh the the league of geeks era has begun <laughs> yes, that, that that new chapter that we were talking about before. Um, if people want to, uh, you know, reach out and express the fact they haven't played Journey, or just <laughs> you know, be in touch, see what uh, you know, learn more about what you and the team are up to, where should people go? Yeah, so I, I, you know, like every other person in the industry, it feels like I'm on Twitter, so I'm kind of squishy on Twitter. Um, but you know, if you want to talk about you know, getting into the industry in general. Or, or chat to me about like work things. Um, LinkedIn is probably a good place to do that. Um, I tend to avoid my DMs from people that I don't follow for I'm sure reasons that anyone who is a woman probably in the industry justified. can get. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn is definitely a good place to, to hit me up. Or you know, Twitter's there if you want to just reply to tweets and and have you know conversations or even mentions rather than DMs. Um, so it's good. So I, you... I always love new friends. So anytime <laughs> please make sure to do so and of course if you are going to be starting journey off the back of this conversation you now know exactly where you need to go 
So, <laughs> as I said, Kelsey, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing this journey so far. We overcame the internet hurdles um, that we were contending with early on to form a pretty awesome show, if I do say so myself. We thank you so much. It. Thank you. It's been a delight. Um, and listeners, as always, thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. That concludes this entry of Dev Diary. Be sure to subscribe to this feed, share it with your friends, and give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure. If you have any people you'd like me to reach out to an interview, then please find me at Paul James Games on Twitter to help me get in touch with them. Until the next episode, however, that's been Kelsey's story. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time.